all the adventures of a librarian turned sniper, Liberty Schoenhauer, who finds that aliens started the zombie apocalypse. These things happen. She is aided by the great uncle Danny Tough as Nails, and together they try and save as many people in the book Liberty's Run. Book one is out now at Amazon and Mythmart, and book two is coming soon in August. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Myth Bits. You made an excellent choice. Welcome to the World of Myth Bits. I am your host, Jenna Sparks, and this is episode 182. again welcome to the world of myth bits it has finally arrived you guys the review episode (laughs) is finally here in case you have not noticed um (laughs) life has been all consumingly uh irritating no um (laughs) i i i have had to to really prioritize certain things and uh it's just gotten to be harder and harder and harder and I got into it all last week and last week's episode was not my favorite um because I I don't like to put uh minimal effort into something that's not who I am that's not what I do but unfortunately those that's just how things are kind of rolling right now. So, um, I'm finally here with the review. I'm very relieved that I finally was able to get through the magazine and get it done. Uh, so yeah, so there's no housekeeping this week, so we can just jump right into it. And, uh, let's go ahead and enter the foray of Drabble and Flash in our first story, Setting Goals by Gabriella Balcom. Uh, this is a story that definitely 100% feels like a Gabriella story, and it's it's truly authentic to her body of work. And as always, it's entertaining and very nicely written. But it also feels as though, I've already read this story, uh, but it also feels like an idea was further finessed, you know, and created this piece, you know, in that, you know, you kind of, you write something out and then you workshop it, you figure out how you can make it better, how you can enhance it, how you can shift it. Uh, So yeah, excellent work, Gabriella. And next up we have Through Wolf-Like Eyes, part four by David K. Montoya. Uh, if you know what I know, then yes, <laughs> this is indeed an excellent piece and is definitely intriguing and interesting. And I know once the whole picture is released, <laughs> uh, it'll definitely be more fluid. What I like at the moment, though, with this series in particular, is that it feels it feels like every piece is a vignette. You know, we know the pieces will ultimately fit together, but right now they're just, they're just glimpses. 
So, absolutely very enticing and exciting work, Dave. And next up, something better, teaser number nine, No Man's Land by Jim Bates. And in this chapter, we revisit another one of the most terrifying points of the story while our characters are on the run. And boy, oh boy, was this a stressful scene. And in case you've missed it, something better is available for purchase on Myth Mart right now. And next up, we enter our children's lit section and our first story, City Cousins, Country Cousins, by Lynn Phillips. And this is definitely a cute story, uh, something that's absolutely pleasing and filled with this calm. Of course, there were moments that I genuinely kept forgetting we were in the children's lit genre, so I was anticipating something, like, spooky or genuinely scary to happen. Uh, But alas, it was just a nice, joyful story. And what was so nice is that there was no malice, you know. Yes, the jokes about the banshee and the pranks, you know, but honestly, it was ultimately harmless, and it's not as if the perpetrators were continually torturing their guests. (laughs) My point is, I really enjoyed the quaintness of this story. It was just like a nice, calm exhale that made me smile with solace, you know. Beautiful, beautiful work, Lynn. And now we shall move on over to the fantasy genre. In our first story, But Dragons Aren't Real, right? By Loretta Stradley. I think this was a very fun story that definitely lends to some super interesting tropes regarding dragons and hybridization, which I think is where uh, the most interesting part of the story lies. Entered into a bit of, like, Jurassic Park territory there with the DNA and everything, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I also like the fact that for a moment we think there's, uh, we think we're, like, in this fantastical medieval historical period only to realize we're actually nearer to contemporary ideas of society and science, which is a fun idea too, because admittedly, thinking of dragons amid MRIs and DNA is definitely something unique. Overall, I think it was a super, super fun, interesting story, and uh, definitely raises questions of human, a human in an egg uh, beside a dragon. So, gets you, gets you thinking. And and our next story, B, by Timothy Law. Uh, That was a wild ride, this story. I think it's funny imagining Tim just spotting a bee and going, what if? You know? And I mean, that's the absolute majesty of writing in a writer's brain. This was definitely a story that was bonkers. The best, best of uh, meanings regarding bonkersness from the get-go, and I really enjoyed the lore. And again, uh, that that kind of hybridization, I definitely think there's something entertaining about our <laughs> antagonists as well as our protagonists. And heroine B with her trusty blade sting, I just found this to be a very, very entertaining and joyous, adventurous piece. So delightful work, Tim. And next up, Weeping Hollow by Dawn DeBrawl. 
This story was absolutely fantastic. Not only was it breathtaking in its atmosphere and ambiance, but the entire aspect of the fantastical elements and lore were just meticulous. Uh, It was so vibrant and had me curiouser and curiouser uh, each mounting sentence. I just genuinely thought it was an amazing piece with awesome, awesome, awesome elements that just allow the imagination to go wild. And again, for the third story up to this point, the the hybridization, you know, but in such a unique way. I just love the concept, of the ghosts of nature, you know, the trauma of it all. Just uh, absolutely amazing work, Dawn. Also, uh, many thanks for reinvigorating my absolute want of an Ent tattoo. So thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> and next up, the first Rabjin, part one of three by Gabriella Belcom. I truly genuinely panicked when I reached the end of the story because I'd forgotten it was only the first part out of three. So thank goodness for that. Uh, Poor Mortimer. Dude deserves some respect and some peace for crying out loud. I am absolutely enthralled and eager to see what's to come in the next chapter, next part. Um, But this buildup was interesting. I really do love the dynamic and thought... um, that was put into not only the village, but like the forest society, you know, it definitely brings me back to the comfort of stories from my childhood and even the cartoons that always got my attention, you know, brewing like Little Bear or Franklin or like even Ferngully or Thumbelina. Uh, <clears throat> there were so many, but like these like little mini societies, uh, you know, these little governments, <laughs> So, excellent work, Gabriella. I'm super, super stoked for part two. And next up, Petra's Tale, part 14, by Timothy Law. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Tim, you're walking on very thin ice, having ended it with such a brutal cliffhanger. Uh, sir... Evil, 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 evil. I am kidding. Uh, but holy crap, I am super stoked. I keep saying super. I am like really astoundingly stoked for the next chapter. I love that we got a little taste of battle and the reality of it all, the the harshness of it is of it all. Uh, the Sylvan fighters and even some of the human fighters, they really have very little idea what they're up against. And I also loved the scene with the she-bear showing the wickedness of the Vorsuk's abilities. Just a fascinating chapter that was so exciting and exhilarating, but also, as is uh, Tim's specialty, it seems, brutally stressful. (laughs) Think about that. (laughs) No, excellent, excellent work, Tim. And that leads us over to the horror section with our first story, Paperbag Writer by Doug Holly. Uh, the one aspect I love about this story is that we were given access to everything we needed to know about why on earth these two would be attempting to kill each other. Uh, pretty much from the get-go, we understand Jason is pretty effing terrible. And then we realize that Deborah is smart and admittedly 
far more astute than Jason. Uh, that also being said, if I had anything constructive to suggest is that the dialogue is just, it's a little stiff. When aiming to deliver like all story progression through dialogue, it's easier for it to become less about the fluidity of conversation and more about the conveyance of what's happening. But by no means did it make the story any less entertaining. Just a just a little tiny note. Other than that, I thought it was definitely a crisp little horror piece. So thank you very much for sharing, Doug Holly. And next up, we have The Woods by Des Destiny Eve Pfeiffer. Uh, I think this is a great cautionary tale about the dangers of anticipating control of Mother Nature and Earth itself. Even just a cautionary tale about respecting boundaries and that Earth owes you absolutely nothing, you know? So indeed, quite interesting concept overall. One little note I do have is that the formatting and grammar makes it a bit cumbersome to read and it results in moments that are you know, intended to be impactful and important to the story being a little bit less potent. But other than that, definitely an interesting story. So thank you very much, Destiny. And next up we have The Bequest, part one of two by Alison Fay. Uh, the first part was, in my opinion, just one of the most meticulously written things I've ever read. Allison's skill and tone is just ab absolute perfection. Uh, there is such fluidity from the first moment until the end and everything worked so organically and absolutely beautifully. Uh, the time period was easily established and the language and dialogue were just amazing. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> My notes are very repetitive on this one because I just loved it so much. I am so excited for the second part because beyond the phenomenal aptitude for writing, the mystery and curiosity and interest are so, so palpable. And I cannot wait for the next entry. So just amazing, beautiful, stunning work. Allison, thank you. And finally, we have Penance Part 12, Mother of All by Stephanie J. Barty. Uh, definitely an interesting addition, and I enjoy getting more context regarding Ash and Cynthiana because, honestly, I'm super interested in them and their importance to the story. I'm also happy to see Marlon and Reese reunited, and now we'll get a little bit more information on their new dynamic <laughs> in this very unlevel uh, unlevel playing field, if you will, uh, territory, unlevel field of territory. I don't know. Uh, because there's sure to be a lot of tension there. And Marlon, I think, is definitely going to really come into his own, especially upon potentially facing Adrian. You know, but that's, that's enough of me theorizing what's to come. I'm very eager for the next chapter. So excellent work, Stephanie. And next up in the action and suspense genre, we have The Legend of Madame Hilda by Bill Diamond. Uh, this is definitely a brilliant story and one that had me grinning ear to ear. I had no idea how the story would twist and turn, and I won't even lie. At the very beginning, I was a little 
less than excited. <laughs> this is a strictly personal take, not an actual judgment of the piece itself. Um, and soon I was absolutely like, it just totally, you know, flipped. And I was completely enamored with the story and what was to come. I truly, truly, truly enjoyed this story. Absolutely excellent and delightful and just fun, you know. So thank you so so, so, so much for your absolute brilliance, Bill. And next we have The End, Story 3, Past Reflections by David K. Montoya. Uh, ever since speaking with Dave at length for our multi-part interview series, um, I do kind of read his work a little bit differently. And by different, I mean now I know the secret of this story, and in it falls the name... Arabsa, Arabsa, Arabsa. <laughs> Very clever day, even though I can't say it apparently. Uh, okay, the actual story though was delightful. Uh, well, tragic, but delightful in its entertaining feat. The history of our protagonists' uh, parents and what the future in Haven looks like, how it's the absolute ideal. But, of course, as I think we'll see in time, all that glitters is not golden. One thing I find so fascinating with apocalyptic stories is how we always seem to find ourselves falling back into old habits. <clears throat> you know, socioeconomically, politically, etc. Hmm. I think, uh, I'm going to think more on that because... Uh, that might be a fun episode to do. Uh, it's got my brain ticking is the point. Anyway, excellent work, Dave. And next up, we have our science fiction section and our story, Time Will Tell, by Jim Bates. Uh, absolutely stunning piece that resonates in such a brutal and earnest fashion. I for sure know that obsession, uh, that unharnessed control over timeliness. And honestly, it's pretty much the bane of my existence. I'm experiencing it right now. Uh, that, <laughs> uh, uh, at the end of the day, the point is that at the end of the day, I think Jim poses the notion of it means nothing. You know, it doesn't matter if death comes at, uh, 10 30 in the morning or at night, or if it's 10 30 tomorrow or 10 30 in 25 years, you know, uh, Crap. Hang on, because now the whole story really kind of uh, has me theorizing and philosophizing now. Hmm. Uh, the point is uh, excellent and phenomenal work. Jim, that makes me think, and now I'm confused. Uh, <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, meticulous job, sir. And next up, we have our humor section and our story Final report on events of April 2025 by James Rumpel. So you're telling me the human race will cut off its nose to spite its face and everyone is a bunch of hypocrites? Uh, I think it's very fair to say James did a devilishly and delightfully good job at explaining humanity in a very cynical and hilariously scary <laughs> nutshell. Uh, that is all. That is all I have to say. I loved it. Absolutely marvelous work, James, as usual. Dang, we are 
really speeding through this episode. Uh, <laughs> oh, alarming, actually. Goes to show how uh, vast, how much time housekeeping usually takes up. All right. Next up, we are going to move over to the poetry section. And our first poem, The White Worm by Lynn White. Uh, Lynn did a lot of justice for this piece in delivering something uniquely fantastical and eerie in homage to its namesake. I thoroughly enjoyed how she presented this idea and notion and definitely painted a fascinating story. So absolutely terrific and excellent work, Lynn. And next up, You Are the Clouds by Anne-Christine Tabaka. A stunning, stunning, stunning piece and uh, the absolute truth. You know, how lucky are those two mothers or parents or people bearing so much importance in their lives as uh, this beautiful, all-encompassing power post-mortem. And I absolutely love using the idea of clouds, you know, in which harness that power, especially for a mother, because clouds can be (laughs) a great many things uh, and bear so much weight, you know. Uh, The point is, and you did a beautiful job with this piece. So magnificent work. And next up, we have The Reluctant Hero by Peggy Gerber. Uh, Gorgeousness and a beautiful homage. I think the greatest regard of recognizing the heroism of motherhood is that awareness of wisdom. You know, the older you get, the more things make sense. There are instances I will never quite understand how my mother endured. uh, And I think a lot of us see that. You know, uh, if we're lucky again. Uh, But yeah, just an absolutely, absolutely beautiful, beautiful piece, Peggy. And next up, A Stranger Indeed by John Gray. Oh my goodness, I adore this piece with all my being. Just the imagery alone is awe-inducing. And it's just so utterly and beautifully haunting the mystery that lingers between the lines the questions and ideas and the ghostly grisly horror I love it I love it I love it I love it just beautifully written and conveyed and so delightfully macabre perfection John and next up we have Banshee by Linda Imbler uh, you guys, this issue's poetry is giving me all the life. Uh, Linda, I love this piece. I love the exploration of mythical beings, especially deathly ones. Um, and you certainly delivered something gorgeous and unique and majestic. I love, too, that the creature wasn't villainized, but rather respected, you know, I think when we put so much fear into lore, as much as I love it, I think it's just an interesting concept to give beings like Banshees a bit more, uh, again, respect, you know? So gorgeous, gorgeous work, Linda. And next piece is Che Guevara's Right Toe by Dr. Pragya Suman. And I will not lie, I read this poem so many times because A, I thoroughly enjoyed it, And B, I just felt like there were so many little details worth looking for, you know, going back to revisit. 
I also had never read the letter from Che Guevara to his children, so thank you for inciting that, Pragya. Um, I think this is just a wonderful and very smart poem that contains so much philosophy and ideas, and I absolutely love the arrangement and that shift. So just a wonderfully interesting piece. Thank you very much. And next up we have Fairy Tales by David Painter. Uh, or that we only remember, you know, the ones rewritten for the happily ever after. I thoroughly enjoyed this poem. I think it was, was it last month? Uh, we had a poem of similarity and maybe it was Mr. Painter who also wrote it. I'm not sure. I can't go back to look at it at the moment. It won't work on the website. Um, but I always love the concept of readdressing the darkness of fairy tales before they're... <laughs> Disneyfication, if you will, before everything is made to sound pretty and glorified and joyful and peaceful. Um, I love the darkness and the twistedness. Point is, absolutely excellent work, David. And next poem, Romance, by Kate MacDonald Dunbar. Uh, I know it's not, and I totally understand that it only bears so much of a resemblance, but, uh... I'll be damned if I didn't obsessively think of hearts. All I want to do is make love to you, okay? <laughs> uh, it ended totally different, but that's beside my point, uh, which I don't really know my point, except dang, Kate, hot and heavy and dreamy and delectable. Wonderful and excellent, tantalizing piece. Thank you very, very much for sharing that. And next up, we have Spare Parts by Alan Ashley. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I love the creepiness of this piece because it is so beautifully, you know, the it's the mere suggestion of it all. Just absolute pure inspiration after seeing what I imagine was an amazing exhibition of work. So iconic and memorable. Uh, what I do love, again... <clears throat> that suggestive tone throughout, you know, because by the end of this poem, you're aware of the eeriness and you're writing the partner of the story in your mind. And I just adore this piece that keeps giving it, you know, keeps it. It's the, the poem that keeps on giving <laughs> and just very, it made me very happy. I don't know why. I just really love that piece. And finally, live your best life by Kevin Magnus. I'm going to print out and frame it because, boy, oh boy, do I empathize with this sentiment. I realize how melancholy the tone is, uh, but honestly, I think there's a kind of strength here about admitting to yourself that you can only give so much power to one crappy, icky person, and that is no overnight feat to overcome, <laughs> if you will. Uh, but I think work like this is definitely helpful. So that wraps up our poetry section and leads us over to the art gallery and our first piece, The Wonderful World of Jenna by Zoe M. Montoya. Um, admittedly, you know, I adore everything about this piece and I totally regard the bias I have wholeheartedly, <laughs> but... <laughs> I can't do the actual noise because it would pierce everybody's eardrums and be really annoying. Uh, but the cuteness is overwhelming. I love, love, 
love the skulls. I love, love, love the palette and the accuracy of that shade of green too because dang kiddo, I just love it so much. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, Zoe. You are a phenom and I'm not just saying that because um, I love you. But <laughs> All right, next up we have Malinfo Booth by Ryan Scherfenberg. The best part about this piece is that I sat and stared at it for a good like 20 minutes thinking on it, thinking on the title, thinking, you know, about all of the little details and looking at the piece entirely and all of those details just to see if I missed anything, then realizing the commentary and even the joke, you know, and realized how brilliant that was and all of that being said I love the perspective and I love all those fine details so as always Ryan knocks it out of the park with his awesome and unique style and next up Ultimate Conquest by Ed Bickford this piece is so satisfying to look at um those gradient hues are just everything and give me so so much life. Uh, the palette is just everything to look at. I love it uh, to take those neon hues and apply them in such a perfect way against something so gruesome and violent is a whole aesthetic that I completely worship. Um, just absolute perfection. Ed, seriously, I love this piece with every fiber of my being. <laughs> Everywhere you look is a feast for the eyes. Uh, and the pyramid studs on that belt, oh, I just love it. I love it so much. There's there's just, you never get bored looking at this piece. And next up, Unexpected Safari by Christopher Harris. Oh my god, uh, this is so gorgeous. Just absolutely, absolutely gorgeous. Again, with the palette, that, that serenity and perfect ability to have captured that point in the evening you know I I love the outline of the background uh, the moon and the clouds that make it look as though it's all lined in gold just uh, the expression and the curiosity of this piece in its entirety just absolute gorgeousness all around so amazing amazing work Christopher and that leads us over to the reviews. Again, we are really just moving through this. Dang. And uh, in our reviews, you will find an interview with me <laughs> by Kevin Mythmaster Adams. And uh, you will also find the entire podcast where we sit and we chat. And it's a lot of fun and we are silly. And uh, I was not super brutalized. And it was a lot of fun. And next up, you have the World of Mythbits podcast, as well as my review of Yellow Jackets, uh, which is a really fun series that I'm still thinking of, like a month after I watched it. And it's a very entertaining show, so give that a read. And now on to the super great content that doesn't revolve around me. <laughs> or my involvement. Uh, a review of Dorothy Wordsworth's The Grasmere and Alfoxton Journals by Michael A. Arnold. 
I get so worried I'm saying everything incorrectly. Uh, <laughs> in this review, though, Michael takes us on a spellbinding adventure to Dove Cottage, in which he visited in autumn of last year. At Dove Cottage, where writer William Wordsworth's... Wordsworth... Wordsworth... I'm so sorry for butchering that. Lived with his sister, Dorothy... Michael came upon a publication of Dorothy's journal and her time at the cottage in Grasmere. In this journal, Dorothy reveals herself to be an exceptional writer, blending the mundane of her life with a meticulousness for the craft of writing. We discover the similarities between William and Dorothy's use of real people in their work. It's a fascinating foray into the life of someone time ought not ever forget. And next up, we have the WWE 2K22 by Nolan P. Smith. Uh, Nolan eagerly expresses the brilliance of WWE 2K22 on PS5 in this review. And I'm honestly sold. I've never played a wrestling game, but I kind of really want to now. Uh, here, we discover that not only does the game utilize excellent mechanics for a smooth gameplay, but also features a wide array of addicting and engaging aspects from different modes of gameplay to a custom character build builder. <laughs> Additionally, the game allows you to explore gameplay alongside the great wrestlers of past and present, and overall seems like a majorly impressive game. And next up, we have the review of Gustave Dore's Satan Descends Upon Earth by Michael A. Arnold. And I personally love uh, Gustave, Gustave Dore's work, if I can talk. I'm losing the gumption to move my mouth. Uh, so, of course, I love seeing this piece visited and talked about. And in this review, Michael expands on the greater meaning of the inspiration behind this piece, which was John Milton's poem, Paradise Lost. And furthermore, within this review, Michael aims to see the larger picture of both poem and the engraving itself, and delving into the fluidity and dynamic of the piece and all it encapsulates. It's a gorgeous work of art, and Michael continues in expressing how Dore's work never failed to be a perfect companion of illustrations for written work. And finally, we have the Board of Directors Minutes. Uh, in April's Board of Director Meeting, Board of Directors Meeting, uh, our trusted directors discuss finances, including MythMart sales, and go on to discuss the utilization of advertising across the platforms. They also discuss social media and the new logo for the magazine and new contributors. They also catch up on Dark Myth Comics, the podcast network, and the addition of the wonderful Pastrami Nation podcast to the roster. Next up is Walter's updates regarding the open contract challenge and ideas on how to further promote it. They move on to policy updates as well as PCE in California's relaxation of COVID rules and re regulations. Uh, bringing forward new business, the directors also discuss more ideas worth expanding on regarding publishing, as well as reintroducing new wave comics into the fold. And uh, it is arranged that the next meeting will be held on May the 15th. I can't quite believe how fast we got through that. It seems um, almost criminal how fast that happened. I think it's a small combination of the actual length of the magazine and, like I said, uh, not, you know, 
20 minutes in the beginning of me just complaining about my life. Um, so I will not change that at the moment. Um, I do really just kind of want to say a couple things, though, that are a little fun. Um, I've recently started watching The Great, which is, <clears throat> if you don't know, a, a series on Hulu about uh, Empress Catherine and uh, Peter the Great. Oh, yeah. Of Russia in the 1700s. And it came out, like, for, season one came out in 2020, and Jill and I are only just starting to watch it. And oh my gosh, it's so silly, so fun. Um, it just, uh, like, the wardrobe and the overall set design is like all-encompassing it's so gorgeous so stunning and like I said it's just it's silly it's funny very entertaining um yeah that's really not very important just if you're bored and you want something to watch uh pop that on because it's quite entertaining again also re-watching Big Love and totally forgetting how insane that show was <laughs> So, uh, yeah, things, again, I'm not going to complain or anything. I'm, I'm a little better than that, I hope. Um, I'm just tired. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice. It, it's, it's been a really long couple weeks, and um, I know it's not fun for you guys to listen to me <laughs> complain or, you know, and, and again, what I said at the beginning at the top of the show, I don't... I don't like putting in minimal effort. You know, that's just not, it's not something I like to do in terms of any project I take on. Whenever I take on a project, it is with the complete intention of putting, you know, 100% effort. And typically I'm okay. Typically I'm pretty good with, with multitasking and doing multiple things. But right now it's just so much. Um, and unfortunately it feels... Like, I'm not able to put 100% effort into everything. And <clears throat> I don't think that's my fault or anything. I think I've just stretched myself so thin. So, again, I don't want anybody to think that I am intentionally, you know, uh, phoning it in, if you will. Which I felt like I did last week. I felt like I really uh, kind of screwed the pooch and did a, an episode I'm not super happy with. I feel like the content was just really... I had fun talking about it. I feel like if anybody else listened to it, they'd be like, what is this? What is this? And I keep thinking on I keep thinking on things I should have said, talked about, but say lovey, right? Such is life. Um, so the point is I am pooped. Um, I'm eternally pooped. I'm not going to complain. I just, I do feel bad. I feel bad when I don't put forward content that, uh, you know, it's, it's, I always say it's like regarding writing. If, if you didn't enjoy writing something, your audience is going to tell. And that's how I feel right now. So, um, trying to, trying to shift, trying to evolve a little. Um, but yeah, that is our show. <laughs> that is our show. I think this is the shortest, the shortest review episode. Uh, the good news is, Hopefully, the upcoming issue should be quite lengthy and not, you know, a half hour 
and that's it. Uh, <laughs> so that being said, I would like to thank everybody for listening. Thank all of the contributors, the writers, the artists, the poets, the reviewers, the podcasters, uh, Kevin for interviewing me, uh, Zoe for drawing me. <laughs> Who else? What else? Uh, my family for tolerating me. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm losing my mind. Okay. Thank you all very much for sitting through this review. So until next time, you can find us at theworldofmyth.com on Facebook and Twitter at the World of Myth Bits Podcast and the World of Myth Magazine and on Instagram at the World of Myth Bits. Again, I thank you. Until next time. Mm-hmm.